Irish Illustrated Insider is sponsored by VisitSouthBend.com. Is it time to check a Notre Dame home game off your bucket list? Has it been too long since you've soaked in the game day atmosphere in person? Whether it's for the first time ever or in a while, start planning your trip to South Bend to watch the Fighting Irish with ideas and inspiration at VisitSouthBend.com. You're listening to Irish Illustrated Insider. I'm Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley from Irish Illustrated. We are joined by Pete Sampson. And it's the aftermath of Notre Dame's 35-32 victory over Navy, a tale of two games. First half, Notre Dame 35-13. Second half, Navy won 19-0, and everything Notre Dame tried offensively did not work. The infamous 18 plays, uh, not counting the two kneel downs, Notre Dame snapped it 20 times, 18 plays. Uh, Tim O'Malley, from your perspective, what happened in the second half offensively and what could have Notre Dame done differently to prevent it from happening? Yeah, there's there's two parts to that. And they, you know, the very beginning, uh, they had six snaps, I believe, on two possessions, two three and outs. Now, the first thing you can say there is you're allowed to get first downs, even when you only have three snaps. You are allowed to not have two three and outs to start a half in to start a half against Navy. But they had six snaps on two possessions. And all of a sudden there's game pressure at 35-24. And honestly, I think that's where things started to go badly for Notre Dame because Look, you're up 35-13. They're coming up firing run blitzes at you. You miss one pass, you have to punt. It that that's that's fine, but at this point you have you now know this is all Navy's going to do is fire these run blitzes at us. They've they've made us punt two times in a row running five times or running four times. At that point, you've had plenty of time because your defense is on the field the whole time. You've had plenty of time to adjust to this. And I didn't see an adjustment that made sense. Other than I will say there were some free throws for Drew Pine to make taking six yards off the snap that he was not willing to take the throw. And I think those throws, those are the first two. These are the first two series or first two and a half series before the pick. You have to take those throws because clearly it's not working that you're running to the line. And then holding on to the ball past one, two throw is an issue at that point as well. It was a strange, um, I think, sort of tone set by Freeman coming out of halftime where, you know, how much time has he talked about urgency and urgency and everything we're due. And then it was like, okay, I know I said urgency, but really what we're going to do, we're just going to like run out the clock here in the third quarter. And I just, I think Notre Dame like got out of gear and then trying to get back into gear was a disaster. Cause like they had guys who just didn't play well. Um, Like Mike Mayer, giving up that pressure off the edge where pine gets blown up from his blind side in the fourth quarter. Like that's just a guy not playing well, who you would always expect to play. Well, I think the, you know, the running backs have been good in blitz pickup most of the season. They weren't in the second half. So it's, I think, you know, for Freeman to say like, Hey, I wanted to run the ball. Like, so if your head coach says I want to run the ball and you're, should your quarterback be looking for the free access six yard throw? Like in theory, yeah, but I thought that the tone that Freeman set was just sort of counter to the entire first half, and it, it got Notre Dame and all just all messed up. The the key play that could have finally changed the momentum, and it was never really changed, was the the it was thirty five twenty four and and the open pass to Mayer that yeah that that, uh, that Pine Air mailed that would have changed drive everything. number three it was yes. drive number three it was drive number three quarter. and that would have made it forty two to twenty four I I. I don't know for sure he would have scored 
um, Lane, their their safety, the guy that I said that Narnie might pick on, uh, probably would have caught up to him. But that certainly would have flipped the field and probably changed everything. But, I, I mean, I went through those 18 plays. I, I poured over each one of those 18 plays. And, you know, Pine had the the, the free access throws. The, the one to Mayer was, was critical. But there was, you know, there was a time where uh, Jane Thomas was – running a crossing a route. There was a little turnout route by, by mayor that would have picked up seven at one point. Uh, Pete, you mentioned the, the running backs, the, the, every one of the running backs missed a block The the mayor miss against a guy that was, you know, 60, 70 pounds less than him. What was a tough one? Um, you know, so I, and, and today Marcus Freeman said, execution, execution, execution. I agree with that. I know there's a lot of discussion about what Tommy Reese could have called the, the screen game. I will ask him about that extensively tomorrow. It does no good to ask Marcus Freeman about that because you're not going to get an answer that is that is satisfactory to, to answering that question. So we'll, we'll address it with Tommy Reese. But, you know, from my perspective, um, it it truly was a lack of execution. Obviously, that's a, it, it's still on Tommy. Re- Tommy reset a couple of weeks ago. You know, he can say we had to look. It was open, but it didn't work. It's still on him. And so in this case, it's on him, too. He has to come up with a way to make his players be productive and to execute. It is, Tim, because you, we were talking prior, like, you know, you're, you're having Drew Pine throw a slant. Yeah, slants are not slants are not. That was suggested slants yeah. with Drew Pine at quarterback. That I don't believe is a solution to the problem. Right, and here's the thing: we're eight eight games in with Drew Pine and two years of coaching Drew Pine, and you have to know what you just have to not have available to him in these situations and what could be made available. And in fact, Reese talked about it. I think it was it was probably after BYU because things were going so well. Mentioning we have settled into knowing what Drew what Drew's strengths are, maybe what we shouldn't do. There's no reason to get away from that now. I, I really think Pete, you made a good point about how they came up their approach in the second half. And I, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you. I question it too, but I feel like you could be disjointed to start a half when people throw some run blitzes at you, but then you have time to adjust, right? The lack of adjustment for me in the fourth quarter was strange. Three sacks, Tim, after the missed three sacks well, surrounding a Dion Colsey conversion after that miss of mayor. Okay, so like specifically what, should the adjust the adjustment have been? I, I mean, I, I thought at that point when they had the three sacks in the one series, I mean, it the entire offense caved. Josh Lug had a bad. I thought Josh Lug's been playing really well. He had a bad second half. I well, thought. Let's this put it, game, all right. I don't. I hate to play offensive coordinators hat, but why not? What What's the difference with a why not a look screen or a bubble screen if they're playing man to man out yeah, there? Yeah, one block that, to make. Right? No, that's they're, that's fair, and that's why we need to talk to Tommy. Yeah, Reese they're about they're that. taking over your pocket, right? Whether you think Audrey Gastamate should get the block or Josh Lug should miss something or communicate something or Drew Pine misses something, if you do a quick throw outside, they're not taking over your pocket anymore. You at least change the dynamic, I think, is what I mean by adjusting. And I kind of want to flip it. Like, Notre Dame's defense gave up 19 points in the second half. It's not the first time this has happened against Navy. It, it's happened in, it happened in 08. They gave up 21 points in 14 minutes. It happened in 2018. They gave up 22 points in the second half. They gave up. Uh, what was it? 39 points. So they gave up 32 points in the second half in 2014. Those offenses kept scoring. So it didn't matter as much. Navy's offense is always going to be able to adjust 
whether players are good enough or not to what you're doing on defense because they live this every day. They see it and they go, okay, we have to do this. Now, Notre Dame might have just better players and you adjust and it doesn't matter because Kurt Heinisch picks you up and throws you to the ground. But Notre Dame's offense should be able to adjust to what Navy was doing. This is, It's not an impossibility there. That's why I have a problem with it all being on the execution this time. And I am Mr. Execution. I know they don't execute. <laughs> I will I will blame a player for missing passes and dropping passes and missing blocks left and right, and there was plenty of it. But I still think you could have helped you could have helped your offense a little, out a little bit more by the time you saw what was happening. Is that fair? It 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 is, but Mayor's open and you miss him. Yeah, yeah. Mayor's no, open that, underneath a- and you don't see him. Thomas is open crossing and you don't see him. My okay, here's my point. And I've said it eight million times, and so here's eight million and one. It's not one thing. You can't, of course, you not, can't no. look at this and say it's one thing. It the offense collectively failed. We can name individuals within the offense that failed, and you can point to the offensive coordinator upstairs who's responsible for making sure that they don't fail throughout an entire half against Navy. They just didn't play well in the second half. They didn't play well in the second half. I, I mean, it, there's. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there, but that's simplifying. Pete, they had twelve like, yards. I mean, just too many things to nail down to be like this was the reason. Like, okay, they oh, played. They, they played. They were awful in the they second. They were terrible. Yeah, they didn't like, just play well. They're right. They terrible. were awful. Yeah. Yes, it's like if they. It, I just when everything when they played that poorly across the board, to me that that comes up to the coaching staff of just like they were not. They did not take the field in the second half in the right frame of mind. You know when. You talk about, hey, they're, you know, Navy's going to keep coming and like you got to be prepared for that. <laughs> that they did not play like they heard Marcus Freeman say that at halftime. No, but in the first half, and this is, I mean, these are the things that I object to when, I, when comments are made. It's like Drew Pine was terrible against Navy. No, Drew Pine was terrible against Navy in the second half. Yeah. In well, the yeah, first I half, he was, fo- that, but- no, no, but they, but they don't, but they don't say that. It's just, he was terrible <laughs> against Navy yeah. and he was 14 for 16 for 234 yards and four touchdowns. And he ran for the fifth. I mean, he was playing really, really well, recognizing things, hitting guys that were open when they were open. And it was the exact opposite in the second half. But again, it, it, look, it starts with Marcus Freeman and then it follows with Tommy Reese and it's, you you can't get shut out. You can't get shut out against Navy in the second half. No, and that's why I brought up those other games. Like people don't remember that in 2018, the really good Notre Dame team, it was 27 to nothing at the half. And they, you know, they get it to 30 to 14 and they get it to 37, 22. Like you're like, golly, what's wrong with the defense? That doesn't matter if you score three touchdowns, right? They adjusted right. to you, they're scoring on you. Same thing happened in when 2014, they couldn't stop them when Joe Schmidt went out for the to save their lives. They just ran out of time coming back. No Rams scored 49 points. Who cares? You, they had 12 yards. <laughs> That's awful, man. Think it's about awful. that. It's like they had 18. Well, okay, maybe they did. The sacks uh, no, count. They, sacks no, count. No, of course they do. <laughs> five, yeah, there was five of them. Yeah. You know, I was at. Uh, in 1988, when Notre Dame won the national title, I was in Baltimore Memorial Stadium yeah. where Brooks Robinson and Frank Robinson and Boog Powell played. And Notre Dame won 20, 22 to 7, and it, and they were awful in that game. Yeah. I mean, they yeah. they were lethargic. They didn't play well. It was a, it was a complete letdown. It and, was before Miami, right? Uh, I think so, yeah. yeah. So there's, yeah. A, there's a legitimate explanation there, huh? But, uh, you know, Air Parsegian beat 
he went 10 and two in 74 and they beat Navy 14 to 10 again, not making excuses, but I hate playing Navy. And that's why I agree with the tweet, <laughs> the, the tweet by Mike Golick, that later. <laughs> yeah. By Mike Golick jr. And it's in the tail of the tape today about, you know, it's like you land playing Navy is like you land on a different planet to play the game of football. And yeah, and I, that is <laughs> what it's like again, not, not an excuse, but, and we have a question about playing Navy and football and, and I, and I get all that, but uh, you know, and I also, th- this was a lot of the feedback. They weren't aggressive enough to start the second half. Well, there were, there were nine design pass plays in the first 13 snaps. And after I see that comment, I hear, well, they should have run the ball. Well, your top two running backs carried seven times for nine yards. They played like crap. I mean, yeah. it's, it, they, they play. They should have and could have and and why didn't they, they coach like they coach like crap too? They coach they like coach crap like too. they okay they and I don't think that I, I don't think Marcus Freeman or Tommy Reese would dis or anybody or Al Golden would disagree with that. Maybe Brian Mason would because he never coaches like crap. He doesn't I, count. He doesn't count. As you filed this away, <laughs> next time Notre Dame plays Navy, keep this in mind. You you referenced 2014 Joe Schmidt out of right. the game. You mentioned 2018. That was the year Drew Tranquil. Drew Tranquil, yeah. Wow. 2022, J.D. Bertrand. Not having J.D. Bertrand, certainly. So the next time Notre Dame plays Navy and you're like, oh, they're down an inside linebacker. Like, just be prepared for what's about to happen. And Uh, Oh, Pete, also one more. 2008, John Tenuta was coaching the inside linebacker. So there you go. It's like it all comes full circle. There is no problem. Before we we finish segment one, Braden Lindsay. A ridiculous. Here's a guy that we have complained about. We've talked about for five years about he can't make a contested catch, <laughs> and he makes the ultimate catch on the most contested play. <laughs> he had one choice, and that was to give the guy a bear hug, yeah. and that's because that's where the football was, and that was amazing. He had five catches in the first quarter. He was offensive player of the week. Congratulations to him. I thought Prince Colley played pretty well i'm not sure that marcus freeman depicted it that way when i asked about him xavier watts is just good against yeah yes he's good against uh, against the run he's he's good yeah and he needs to you know the next step for him is so that he's serviceable against conventional teams because they pass the ball conventionally who else you want to point before we go to segment two other guys that i think jack kaiser's uh utility of the team hopefully became a little bit more clear to some people um, because they asked him, this is a question in segment two, so I won't talk all over it, but they asked him to do a lot of things during the week of prep for the game. Blocks a punt, gets injured. What happens when he gets injured? Navy then drives, uh, you know, it was maybe went three and out, I think. And then, then they had the 11 play 88 yard drive. I think Jack Kaiser is especially without Bertrand, was very, very essential for settling everybody else down yeah. at linebacking core on Saturday. I agree. Clarence Lewis with the Kyle Hamilton, like three quarters of the way across the field to, you know, the, I listening to Dan Orlovsky said that was a, was going to be a walk-in touch. It was never going to be no. a walk-in touchdown because Clarence Lewis diagnosed it right from the very beginning. Right. Like when you draw it up and say, okay, when they bite on this, it's a walk-in touchdown is right. different than what actually happens. Right. <laughs> exactly. I mean, game. so he diagnosed it. Now the pass was terrible and it was too late and it was live. I got to say was... one thing about this. Cause we're talking about bad coaching and I leaned, I was not sitting next to Pete, but I think I yelled down to him. You have Blake Groupie miss a field goal, and you're miraculously within eight points, 21-13, right? 
You have four minutes left, and your offense is absolutely designed to take exactly 60 yards to go four minutes, yep. make it 21-20 at the half, and you call that crap? Yeah, no, I agree. I, I mean, you, it, it, you instantly react to it at the time. Uh, oh, yeah. The, the, you don't even need a quick. If you score, Notre Dame's going to go score. You literally don't need the quick yep. score there. Exactly. <laughs> you give Notre Dame three and a half minutes the way they're moving the ball. They will go score, too. Exactly. Jalen Sneed, I thought, came in and did a good job. You know, I thought mainly what I saw him was more of a, you know, stand-up guy on the edge. He was in a three-point stance at a defensive end position on a couple occasions, and I thought he did – he took on a tight end one time and beat him. I I thought he did a really, really nice job, and Marcus Freeman explained today that, you know, with four games left, guys that hadn't played yet, the ones that he thought were close could get on the field. Jabron Payne replaced Joe Wilkins as the second return man. With Chris Tyree, but I thought I thought Jalen Sneed uh, for being his first game, I thought he was very very productive. Anybody else you guys want to mention? We'll move on to segment two. Pete, if you don't, I wanted to mention that Freeman did say uh, Sneed had a very specific role for this game. I hope he has a very specific role for ten plays in the BC game too. I'd like to see that growth be part of it. Yeah, because that... it was weird watching him sub in and out because I think he subbed in and out for Jaden Mickey at one point. Yeah, uh, he had some. They were taking him in and out. Depending, Navy called timeout and they took him off the field, and then yeah. Navy came back out and they sent him back on the field. So they're like, okay, well, that's still what we want him to right. go against. I uh, one guy, not that this was his best game, but maybe we haven't talked about him a whole lot is Mitchell Evans because like the more I watch him on tape, the more I think he seems like a real pain in the ass to play against. Like somebody you would really hate if he was on the opposing team, the way he likes to mix it up and like just get in a little extra sometimes. So <laughs> I think that kind of bodes well for the future of Durham's tight end position. It really does. Even though you're losing Michael Mayer, who's ridiculous. They've still, they're still going to have a good group there collectively that they can work with next year. Jordan Batello, I thought he did some good oh. things. Uh, Drew Pine, his first half. Um, yeah, he was. The ability to throw against drop eight, which he had not done well at all, all year. I think it was four or four for 125 yards in the first half. Complete uh, his first nine passes, two touchdown was, passes in each quarter. He was dealing. Um, I mean, that's as good as he's played all year and a half. Um, yeah. I mean, that, it was. Oh, per, it was out, for sure. It was outstanding. So Lindsay kind of helped him out on the first touchdown. Yeah, that pass. was you want really, to say touchdown pass there. That's, that's like, I mean, to me, that's like one of those throws where like, okay, all right, you're 5'10 quarterback, not built. Like that's. Physically, that's probably a hard throw for him to make. Um, but hey, I, I'd rather you underthrow him by five yards than overthrow him by ten. <laughs> well, that's that true. I think he, I, point. I think he saw him pop open and he and he reacted and, and late. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he, you know, and he was kind. He was on the move, so he didn't get his. He didn't. He didn't get <laughs> he as much probably mustard. Been told, on don't you ever like, overthrow Lindsay again out the yeah, back? Yeah, probably. Of the yes. Probably. Uh, good. Good for. Good for Braden Lindsay though, because it's been a. I mean, it's been a tough career and it's been a tough year because he came back for a fifth year and he said. I mean, even when he's open, they can't, they haven't been able to I have him. forgotten. I had forgotten that he was our whipping boy for four years for not making contested catches or making plays because he's been our, our, we put him on the pedestal before being open every time this year. Yeah. It's like, get yeah. Brain Lindsay the ball. Yeah. All right. Segment two coming up, burning up the boards. This is Mike Brown, former Notre Dame leprechaun, here to share the leprechaun's game day at Notre Dame an officially licensed children's book that celebrates the magic of a football Saturday at Notre Dame. Follow me on an adventure from Step Off Under the Golden Dome to ND Stadium with this perfect gift for fighting Irish fans. Visit www.lepgameday.com and enter Irish to get your author signed copy today. 
Go Irish! Here's another Irish tale from Do Dublin at dodublin.ie. In 1916, Irish rebel forces have taken up position on the north side of Dublin's St. Stephen's Green Park. They exchange fire with the British to the south. Suddenly, a man enters the park with a brown bag above his head. Both sides cease fire. The park's groundskeeper has come to feed the ducks. For the next six days, there is a daily ceasefire so the ducks can be fed. Learn more when you do Dublin with Do Dublin Tours. Segment two, burning up the boards. Our first question comes from Statman72. He's a first time contributor to the show. Would you feel differently about the Navy game if the two halves were reversed? Yeah. I mean, I, 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 what I was thinking was Would like, more what if the, if the <laughs> yes. five touchdowns were spread out over, over the game. Right. Totally different still. That but you you would probably feel differently about that. I what a, a, a shutout in any half is not going to be received well. I mean I would say if Notre Dame was down 19 nothing at halftime. <laughs> right. No, I agree. Like, I agree. You would feel way worse. Yeah, no doubt. Game. No, hey, and 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 that should not be lost in this. I mean, they came out ready to play, and that yeah. was you worry about that after everything that you went through the week before with, with Clemson physically, emotionally, mentally, everything. You so, imagine the mischaracterization of Notre Dame coming back from 19, nothing to beat Navy miracle comeback as Irish yeah. <laughs> luck, luck yeah. of the Irish strikes I, in Baltimore. I appreciated post game with Marcus Freeman talked about like, you know, we had to learn to win close games and then he sort of like backed away from it quickly. Cause he, I don't know if you knew like, Ooh, that doesn't sound good. Um, like you can't talk about winning close games where you just invited the other team to make it a close game in the second half. <laughs> and like, I mean, I just say like the end of the first half, they've done this before, but like you score a touchdown, get a stop, block a punt. No, you get a stop, it's- block a punt, score a touchdown, get a three and out. You smartly use your timeouts, get the punt, score again. Like they just, I like the way they managed the end of the first half too. Like that was super aggressive going for it. They were, they were very clear minded at that point. As a Ken, as opposed to the way Ken Niamatololo managed the oh, end of the half. What are you doing, dude? <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure what that was about. Yeah. <laughs> what, Tim? How would you? Uh, I, yeah, I, I mean, the only way that game is okay. I don't. There's not a way that game is okay. It was 35-32 <laughs> against the Navy, and they had an onside kick. Matt Salerno, with one of the more impressive onside kicks I have seen, recoveries I've seen, he didn't even let that thing bounce a second time. He was all over it. It was like, like imagine that ball bounces free and it's somebody else trying to recover it. I was going to insert a name here, but I didn't do it. Like I would, it would I, I would, I did want to mention that in, they're in scoring, today. right? Eighty seconds left, they're scoring. Navy is scoring if they get the yeah, probably, yeah, probably. I, I mean, the, the momentum is so significant, but I did entail the tape today. I mentioned, you know, because. I've been around forever. And so I've seen about 55 Nordame Navy games and you could go by, you know, and they all had an onside and, kick yeah. <laughs> and they all, and, and divine and, you know, Holtz generally kicked their butt, but he also had a 28, 27 game against army in which Ivory Covington had to make yeah. a stop an inch from the goal line with their, with their tight end. It, 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 it's just no fun playing. It's it's I, no fun. And we're going to get to a question about that and talk about it a little bit. And it, not that Holtz wouldn't kick their butt normal. I mean, you know, his teams wouldn't have kicked their butt if they played the option. But Navy has become Navy in about 2006-7 range, right? 
Yeah. Where you're yeah, like, yeah, Paul Johnson just, came yeah. in a little earlier than 2005, that. 2005, so yeah. 2005, 2004, you're like, this stinks when you're going against it. They almost beat Willingham yeah. in 2002. Would have been a miracle there, right? Um, well, Notre kind of needed a miracle there, right? They won 30 to 23 and they got a late touchdown. Isn't that right? Omar Jenkins, am I wrong about that? I, I was at a bachelor, was. I was at a wedding. Yeah. There was a very tight game against uh, Bob Morton trying to convince everyone that it was a. Was a <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just, it, it just, it sucks playing them. It does. There's this, there's no, because if you kill them, then the response is that Navy's no good. And right, let's, you, let's go for it. Should we go? Let me go forward a question, Tim. Cause I want to talk about this. All right, still. go ahead. Andy Bass could be Andy base. If he's freak base, I hope not. 2001. Are there any legitimate football reasons capitalizing football? to continue the Navy series on a yearly basis. There is no benefit on the field, in my opinion. Does it help with recruiting? Does it help the playoff path? Hasn't the debt been repaid, which is different than the rest of the question, obviously. Let's handle the football part. Why? I mean, I don't, what would the, what would the football reasons be? No, it's also, it's actually harder to play them than other teams too. Well, yeah, absolutely. And that's why playing them in the first game is the best, is the best way. Because think about here, Marcus Freeman's in his first year, but any coach, but he's in his first year and you have to, it's like Mike Golick Jr. said, I mean, it is a completely different brand of football and you're coming off Clemson. And, you know, and you're, and, right. And you're <laughs> thinking really... about USC coming up and it it's, it's awful playing. There is no legitimate football reason. And I, you know, a lot of people will say there's no reason nor names paid their debt. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Can you imagine being the president of the university no, and impossible. calling a press conference and announcing that the University of Notre Dame will no longer be playing the Naval Academy in football? Can you imagine the backlash from that, especially especially in our political military environment that we live in in 2022 in the United States today? It would be pathetic for Notre Dame to do that. Absolutely pathetic to back out of the series after everything that they put into it the i mean I, one i don't know like are you should they play toledo or marshall more um is it like vanderbilt i don't know who you're getting on there but it's not i mean the door in the basilica is not god country when it's convenient to us notre dame so i, I mean i just don't, i don't want to hear it like i i don't i understand the game is not a lot of fun it's like going to the dentist However, what is college football if not for history and tradition? Like, what is what's left? That's it. Nothing. They're all going the away. USC is going to be playing course. Minnesota next year at this time or in a few uh, years. Sorry. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, <laughs> just, just do a better job coaching and playing. Yes, I feel that way too. And but I would uh, not want to. But I would not want to be. On no, the but you know you have to. Stuff. And I, I want to give I, you. Uh, yeah. But that doesn't that doesn't make it any easier. No. No, but it is part of it. It's part of being at Notre Dame. And I like to bring this up sometimes. It's really hard for Notre Dame to prepare for Navy because of their unique style, right? Everything about it's hard. It's also really hard for Navy to beat Notre Dame because they don't have a single player that would play for Notre Dame most seasons. That's not true. They have five players that would make Notre Dame. No, they do have five every year, I think, that would make it. They have five guys that would make Notre Dame's team. I can think of one recently. Well, I was just thinking of... Sackfest 2022, and there you go. Apparently, we can throw some more guys out there. I was going to go with Aloe Gilman. He so, was, no, of course. Oh, yeah. yeah. So you're saying that it's 
you it's know, harder for Navy. How hard, it's, it's harder for hard, Navy. It's hard exactly. for Navy to play Notre Dame. It is. It's yes. it's a very hard thing to do. It um, is. It's, <laughs> it's a really difficult team to beat if you're Navy. I'm not sure you guys know that or not. It's it's yeah. really hard to beat a guy that's much better than you. Um, there's one quote I want to give you. I'm glad this game is over. Anytime we play Navy, it's a chore. They're very difficult to prepare for because you're dealing with the most efficient and effective operation relative to the triple option or really offense in all of football. I'm excited to move on next week, and I'm glad we won and got out of here. That was Brian Kelly, his best team in 2018. <laughs> I mean, think about how much, how happy they are to be done right now. But that's good. That's a really? fun football game. Pete, we sat in the pregame press box. By the way, really nice spread. Pretty straight. I didn't want to bring that up. But we yeah. sat in the pregame press box talking to Matt and Tyler. That we have seen every version of this game. Notre Dame's just way too good. Navy's just way too good. Navy steals one from Notre Dame, which is awesome. <laughs> Navy steals one from Notre Dame. Notre Dame steals it back from Navy. Notre Dame needs an incredible play by Greer Martini to save the day on senior day. We had seen everything until we saw a 12-yard second half in which Notre Dame almost lost the game when they were totally dominant in the first. As I said in Tale of the Tape, in, in, in watching Notre Dame Navy for more than half a century, I've died a thousand deaths. <laughs> I kind of have fun when their options working, assuming Notre Dame's not going to lose. Like I'm, la I laugh every time they get a 50 yard touchdown run by the fullback that gets not untouched. Yeah, the it's untouched like, fullback runs. I mean, come on, it is really just it, there's humor in the untouched fullback run, right? Yeah, I mean, he's the first option there, for crying out loud. <laughs> he, he is, and, I, and and we'll never know what what impact JD Bertrand would have had on uh, Daba Fofana's uh, day against Notre Dame. Question from Not J Tafel: Explain to me like I'm five years old. Why did Notre Dame have success against cover zero in the first half and completely forgot how to play football in the second half? All I know is that Michael Scott reference is fantastic in our podcast. That's <laughs> very well done. Not Jake to fill. Um, it's a great question. We tried to cover that in the first segment. There's inefficiencies at the quarterback position. There was a lack of execution at the quarterback position. There was terrible blocking by the running backs, the tight end. There wasn't really good blocking by Josh Lugg at times, who was having a great year. Um, I thought the play calling did Notre Dame's players no favors in the second half. And they just seemed kind of, uh, what's the word Pete used? You didn't say flat. It was just completely disengaged from from what they were in the first well, half. Well, I think really. that, I, the, yeah, the 35-13 score at halftime yeah. had an impact. It's just, I don't think there's any doubt about it. And Drew Pine, like, doesn't want to ever admit that you know, anything is different. It's he's always dialed in. He wasn't dialed in, in the second half. He was, if he was, he would have seen some of the things yeah. uh, that we, that we were able to see because. Cause they were open. They were open. I mean, they, they, they were open and he, again, he was absolutely brilliant in the first half and uh, very ineffective in the second half. Sometimes you play great, like against Clemson. Sometimes you are Got awful like the second half against Navy or the first half against Stanford. Stanford has given up 94 points in its last two games, and Notre Dame scored 14 and got shut out in the first half. So, yeah, but Pete, weird stuff happens. Notre Dame was not great in the second half against Stanford. No, the whole game was terrible. They were pretty damn good against Clemson the whole time. It's a really weird change in half. That's that what I'm just saying. They're all over the place. This yeah. team is incredibly inconsistent. But I I said this yeah, about, they, like, the Clemson performance made me view Notre Dame as like, wow, this team is even more inconsistent than I thought. <laughs> Just sometimes the inconsistency in a good way. you enjoy watching. Uh, 
Yeah. And I look, I'm, I'm not discounting that, but I think that if you go across the country with 131 FBS teams, the nature of football because of the physicality and the, the mental part of it that has become so prominent in the last 30 years, I think you set yourself up and then injuries play a role. Guys playing hurt play a role. Um, Relying on teenagers plays a role. Yeah. I mean, it's just football. Just look, it does it look Notre Dame fans. It's not just Notre Dame. It happens. It happens to virtually everyone. Uh, Nick Saban's pulling his hair out these days because they lost twice in a year. And you know, there's going to be major change. There's going oh, to be it could have been a third time, Tim. That yeah, I know could have really been. been a third time. Been. My, uh, I needed overtime. If you catch my drift in that game too. Question from ND Browns. Why would Notre Dame take a transfer kicker who can't kick under pressure? I think they might just, I mean, it was, I think, I think that's a, a generalization slump, based upon yeah. a, on two kicks in the last yeah. two games it's in a mini slump kickers going to mini slumps in college. That's why there's only 32 in the pros. Yeah. It's he's 10 to 15 for the year. You know, is it, he was, t- I mean, he was good. He was good up. He was 10 to 13. You felt good about Blake groupie. Yes. He was through eight games. Now I right. missed one against Clemson. Hey, and you know what? He, I, I Against Navy, he hit that perfectly. He hit it right where he aimed it. He it hit it a, right it where it he odd, aimed it. Yeah, it was. I read that, and it's like if, I remember watching it live, and they were like, "It's kind of an odd motion." It felt like he was decelerating through I, the ball. I mean, it was that, true. He hit it true. He hit it true and straight, right where he aimed yeah. the damn thing. It's <laughs> yeah. He's ten to fifteen on the year. Yeah, I, I, you know, I wouldn't. I think he's a. I mean, I think he's a pretty tough-minded kid. I'll, I, I'll. I may, I may rue the day, but I was going to say, I'll, he's I'll, a kicker. I'll, don't say it. He's a kicker. Don't say it out loud. No, I know. But <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I still believe that when he trots on the field next, he'll come through. That is my question. You guys now next tough kick is, well, it could be the BC game with this, as Pete says, the most inconsistent team we've ever seen. So it could be the third <laughs> quarter against Boston college, but yeah, that'll be a, that'll be a bit of a telltale. And of course it'll only be 38 degrees and windy for him for the BC game. So I'm sure he'll be fine kicking under those circumstances. You know, I, I kind of promised in the tweet today about saying, Hey, we're going to have a podcast. So we talk a little bit about Boston college. We don't have any Boston college questions. And I do want to mention that Emmett Emmett Moorhead has come on and really provided Boston college with a spark at the quarterback position. I don't know if Phil Dracovic's, healthy or not i don't think it matters whether well, i don't think it matters after the way they won the game yeah no the guy that no if you've seen any of him and i'm going to uh, dive into it deeper tonight but he's got a little bit he's got some flair to him man i mean he he definitely has given them some confidence and that's behind a, an offensive line that's not very good so i take nothing for granted against boston college it's a rival um they have no fear factor with Notre Dame. I was saying that after the Navy game that, you know, rivalries and conference foes, there's no fear factor. Um, and certainly Boston college is going to be on an upswing after having lost four and then beating NC state at NC state. That's a huge win. For One them. more Tim. Remember how I said I was more confident Notre Dame would beat Clemson than cover the spread against Navy. Yeah. And how'd you pick it? I am more confident that Notre Dame will cover the spread against USC than against Boston college. Oh, without saying well, about the USC spread. I agree with you on that one. Question from 14 personnel ND. I like that 14 personnel. Can you explain <laughs> the LB? The, can you explain the linebacker rotation? It seems we saw a lot of junior Tui Alamaka early, then some Prince Collie, plus a little bit of Jalen Sneed. 
Yeah, I mean, it's all unique to Navy, right? Like, that's not yeah. going to be the rotation moving forward, especially with Bertrand back. Like, I was told that beginning of the week, they were they were going to start Kali at Mike, struggle in practice. So they flipped it to Ihalamaka with sort of Kali as the number two. Um, then Tui Halamaka struggled in the game. They went back to Kali. Yeah. Um, so that was basically, and they had Leo at the will. And then Kaiser at the Sam with Houston Griffith as sort of the backup Sam linebacker for that week. So it, um, I was surprised they, they went with Tui Halamaka. Um, freshman making your first start against Navy. If you're a middle linebacker, you're going to finish the game with one tackle against Navy. That's hard to sort of get your head around like what you're watching and how quickly it's happening to you. So Probably, I mean, it's kind of one of those sneaky good things about the game um, is that they end up getting a lot of young players their first reps defensively against Navy. Um, and they they usually don't get that benefit um, in that game. You know, I yeah, got to say, go ahead, Tim, I'm sorry. No, you're, you're, you're good, go ahead. Well, I, I, you know, you see, I thought Kali played particularly well. And again, Marcus Freeman didn't depict it that way, but I thought he, you know, I thought he I, he did some really good things. He was very aggressive. I mean, clearly there's another gear to him that 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 we don't always see with Notre Dame's linebackers in recent years. But I, you know, can you picture a Bertrand Collie combination next year? And I don't know exactly what they'll do with Leofow. I mean, he's probably not going to change positions per se, but he has he can play different roles as we've seen him attack the line of scrimmage. But a Bertrand Collie pairing with Tui Alamaka and Leofow you know, with them, I think that could be a pretty dynamic four. And I'm glad you brought that up because I don't think the rotation is the rotation for this year. I think it's good. Those guys got some time. Did you ask the question, Pete, about getting those linebackers in, if it was worthy or worthwhile, or maybe John Bryce did, uh, if it was worthwhile, I, I do think it's worthwhile. I think the best thing that happened for Jalen Sneed this year is they trusted him to have a role from scrimmage against Navy of all teams. Yeah. That means he yeah, would listen and, and do could... something. Yeah, That's, he may that may not even be his position. I, I no, should say no. that. That may not even be his position moving forward. It'll be very interesting to see what they do at the Viper position because they're gonna have a hole there. So uh I did did I say this in second? I thought Foskey played well. I, I he didn't didn't have numbers. He would have had his yeah, record breaking sack. sack, but Leofile had the face mask, so it negated. But I thought Foskey was very, very active and altered a lot of things without actually making plays against navy actually tim on that sack i actually i said in the press box and there's the record and, and no no it's not no, it's not. <laughs> you can see the whole thing happen right in front of you nd from nj3 so at this point there's not much else for brian mason to do except call the fake when are we going to see this is he saving it for usc this i think brian like mason's going to top himself by sniffing out the fake punt coming up from one of the two teams okay. and just there's destroying that. it right there that would be a real trick Interesting. What I, uh, I have you seen some of these like fake uh, field goal touchdown runs that uh, have popped up, like where the sort of holder pitches it and the kicker runs a sort of a jet sweep. Like I'm, I'm holding out for uh, John Sod Blake Groupie touchdown at some point. Did you guys notice? Uh, I don't know how far you've gotten into the game film, but. Um... Hassan, their punt returner, Navy's punt returner. Tim, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, that he'd pulled the old fakeroo. Right, which was a Marty Biaggi thing. Marty Biaggi was at Notre Dame oh, as yeah. a special yeah. teams assistant, has always wanted to be at Notre Dame. I believe that was his creation where 
you you act like you've signaled for a fair catch and you catch it and you act like the play's over, but then you run, which has gone for a touchdown. I don't remember who did that, but the refs blew the whistle. And so, I mean, you could see how Hassan, Hassan looked at the ref like, dude, I was going to run, uh, but the whistle blew. So the, the play was over, but that, I don't know if that's in uh, Brian Mason's arsenal, but that's a good one. Big Marty Biaggi fan, but I do not believe he has a job for Notre Dame in the foreseeable future. They have that right. position filled pretty nicely at this point. Yes. So, Yes, they do. Denver Maximus, should there be any concern for how poorly our secondary played overall against a very simple passing team with average wide receivers? Too many penalties, too many players running past them on coverage and not playing the ball seem like bigger problems that cannot just be ignored because it is Navy. Well, the simplicity of the passing game and the average wide receivers has nothing to do with the difficulty of stopping them. It's 11 defenders being geared up to help against the run. And then a guy runs by you. Uh, so I don't, I don't read too much into this. The penalties look, if you're beat, grab them, hold them, tackle them. I get that. I mean, there's no sense giving up a touchdown, although it certainly wasn't a great game for, for DJ Brown. I, I don't, I don't understand Jaden Mickey. I, re I really don't. Um, I mean, <laughs> He, there's there's so much confidence and bravado. I mean, he kind of let, I know him and Clarence Lewis kind of ran into each mm -hmm. other a little bit. Uh, Orlovsky called it getting caught in the contrails, which I thought was a, was a great term, but I just didn't think Mickey chased Walker at full speed and Walker just went right by him. Yeah, I thought, I mean, the frontline secondary players, I thought played okay. Uh, if you're talking about Morrison, yeah, Morrison did some good things. I thought Lewis is a rotational player. Clearly, Lewis sniffed out that fake was excellent. You know, I mean, did Hart? I don't think Hart got caught in mm -hmm. any way. You know, Watts played well. Brandon Joseph is hurt. Um, you know, DJ Brown obviously did not kind of right. have it all together. But I, I, you know, there, I think there's nothing about that game man. where I was like, oh, the secondary. I thought they were they were fine. <laughs> You're, oh, the, you're, di the diving that, catch was a really nice one. There's some plays. Navy right. made and some that's plays why, too. That's why Navy, when they do complete passes, they average like, you know, a ridiculous amount per reception oh. because the defense is so geared up to stop the triple option. So I, I think it's a, I think it's a one-off situation. Notre Dame secondary is playing pretty well. I, I, you know, I, yeah, but I would, I mean, Jaden Mickey needs to, and he's coming off the abductor <laughs> issue too. Yeah. Who knows where he is with that? But. Uh, um, you know, I, Benjamin Morrison is setting the standard the way Alt and Fisher did last year. And your expectations then are that, right. oh, well, they did it. So why can't this true freshman do it? And that's, that's pretty unrealistic question from Jay Turk 83. Has it been discussed the lack of safety depth of moving Clarence Lewis there doesn't have to, he doesn't have the speed for cornerback, but good instincts to play safety. It might be uh, too we just, late we, in the we game, just, but we've talked about this. We've yeah. discussed it. Yeah, we've discussed Clarence Lewis moving over to safety. Um, it's not out of bounds because every safety besides Brandon Joseph has moved over to safety. Every single safety on Notre Dame's football team has moved to safety from cornerback oh, or, or wide receiver. About that. Xavier Watts is a wide receiver. Houston Griffith was a nickel corner. DJ Brown was a corner. <laughs> Who else is on the team? Uh, I'm missing one guy, but Brandon Joseph is a true safety, and there's a uh, that's they they move everyone. They don't recruit safety well. Did you, so did you mention Ramon Henderson? Ramon Henderson moved from corner to safety too. All of them moved. Jester Walters was always at safety. He doesn't travel, play, or dress when he's at okay. home. So I don't I'm count just, him as a safety anymore. I'm just yep. 
I'm just <laughs> going down the list here, man. I'm just saying, man. <laughs> Go ahead, Pete. I'll stop I was talking just there. Say, like, if you want to talk about this in spring, maybe that's a combo to have. But... I think that's what he means for next okay. year. Well, then, oh yeah, because he said the lack of depth for that's for next yeah. year with you know, Lewis... or like, well, I mean, who's going to be your nickel next year? Mickey. Or is he? I mean, well, he's a, he would be the top candidate. I Lewis but... could still be a safety and be your nickel if he's your backup safety. Um, and Lewis could have two years of Lewis could have two years of safety, right? With the pandemic here, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Like Notre Dame has needs at both positions. Yeah. Or all three positions if you include nickel in there. So I I think Clarence Lewis will be part of the solution. Yeah. I think if Hart comes back, it makes some sense, right? Because you then have Morrison, Hart, Mickey, plus the incoming guys, and then Griffith will be gone. I can't even fathom Brandon Joseph going pro right now. I don't get the point of it uh you know and we've talked i think we talked about this recently that could happen it could happen with cam hart too but they really need you know by next year watson henderson have to come of age i mean you got i think what i think they're coming i think i no, i think i think so too but i mean to the point where okay these are our starters or you know these are these are frontline guys that we know we can throw out there and trust right uh, which I mean, I, I know they put them out there now, but I mean, just the level of consistency, it may be depending upon what Clarence Lewis wants to do. It may be a little late in the game for that switch. I, I don't know. We'll see, but it has come up and it's a good question. And we will end our questions with one from Kev Kev 561 from left to right. What is the starting offensive line for the 2023 season opener against Navy? All right, I'm going to go with the odd Christophic stays, and it's going to be Alt, Christophic, Carell, Spindler, and Fisher. And then I know the other option is Christophic goes somewhere else to grad transfer where he could play two years. So that's why, I, that's why I'd be a little concerned about him staying in that he could play two years somewhere else, not one. I will go Alt, Christophic, Corral, Shrouth, Fisher. That was the other option for me. Yes. <laughs> I was thinking okay. I'm going to go from right to left. I'm going to go Fisher, Coogan, Corral. Um, not knowing what Christophic will do. I think it will be. Say he doesn't come back because otherwise it you're will saying be, Christophic. It so. will be. Okay. He doesn't come back. Yeah. Yeah. It will be Spindler or Shrouth. Okay. And Joe Alt will win the Alt will win the left tackle. I think he's got probably. a I think he's got a foot up on the job. Yes, I'm gonna go I with do. him too. And remember how many times we talk on this podcast about are they gonna move Fisher back to left tackle? <laughs> how many questions <laughs> yeah, did we get about right. that last summer? We did not bring that up. It was brought up to us a yeah. lot. Let's be fair. No, that's I don't that's, think they're gonna do it. <laughs> yeah, no, there's no need to do that now. I think out. that's worked out. Worked out pretty well, but the guard situation will be very interesting in the spring. It's wide open. Uh, I'm saying Coogan because I've heard good things. Yeah. I think Ashton Craig's in the Mitch mix, although I think long term they're looking at him, you know, more the next year at center. Um, I'm going to throw one out there that I saw on our message board because it's so fun, but it's pretty far out there. Right tackle, Carell or Baker. What? Right guard, right guard, Spindler or Schroth. Center Carell, 
left guard Blake Fisher and left tackle Joe Alton. They just go left every single play for an entire season. Wow. <laughs> well, they've had a lot of success with that left side this year with Patterson and and Alt. That may be uh, that may maybe a formula for success. But we're going to come back and I promise on Thursday we will talk a lot about Boston College Thursday, November seventeenth. Our next Irish Illustrated Insider. We appreciate you joining us today. This has been Irish Illustrated Insider.